Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Tell your chico pit boomers 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now that's, that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we always talking about striving and achievement and, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple podcast. Podcast one. Spotify. On today's show, we are discussing the trailer teaser for A Quiet Place 2. We've got some comments from Ryan Johnson about fan service in movies. And then we've got some Rise of Skywalker box office predictions. Hello, everyone. I hope you are having a wonderful morning filled with lots of love and kindness and positivity in the world today. Uh... I, I am, I'm, maybe not, not really. No, Roka, it's a rough morning, isn't it? It's a sad morning. I'm having a great day. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. How you doing, Roka? I'm doing good. I'm excited. Uh, I saw Cats last night. I wish we could I talk have... about it so, so badly. Yeah, can't talk about I'm bursting at the seams right now. I'm just saying, it's left, certainly left a memory with me. I'll leave it at that. Uh, but uh, yeah, Rise of Skywalker, that's consuming everybody today. Just a little we bit. can't talk about Just it a little too bit. much. But uh, y- You guys might notice already we have no live chat up and running today because yeah. we can't have nice things. So <laughs> no live chat. Deal with it until it comes back. I don't know. Hey, Matt Donato, how you Hi, doing? Barry, nice sweater. Thank you. <laughs> this is my Christmas spirit because it's my last time on here before Christmas. So I want to be a little festive today. And you like, make me wish that I brought my, my Freddy sweater. I know. I have a Friday 13th one. We should, have done a, we should have done a Christmas sweater episode of Movie Talk. I that feels like a missed this. opportunity. Friday Thirteenth is not a Christmas movie. I accept this is a gremlin. This is a Christmas movie. Sis, are you saying Friday Thirteenth is a Christmas movie? Fri- how did we get to Friday? No, 13th? I, 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 just, you I said you had a Friday Thirteenth sweater. Did I say, did no, I say I Friday? I have a Friday Friday sweater. You said you had I your have nightmare. nightmare sweater. Oh, you have nightmare. Yeah. 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 Oh, no. Is that a Christmas movie? It doesn't have to be. I it's know. not. Oh, okay. Okay. Like I, I, I also you had a Christmas no, sweater. I also, my sweater I also oh. have like a, a Star Wars Christmas sweater T-shirt. That's but it, cool. And and it's a, it says Droid to the World, and I love it. <laughs> Maybe I should have worn that instead today. I don't droidal, know. Whatever. Droidal, droidal, <laughs> There we go. All righty. Doesn't that wow. work? I think. That's no, fun. it does kind of work, and that's exciting me more than it should right now. I think I'm because like freaking BB-8. Could yeah. Look, could look like a dreidel. Or Dio. Or D- oh, Dio. I can. All right, guys. Let's get into the show notes for the day. Kicking it off with A Quiet Place Part 2. So we don't have a full trailer for this just yet, but we do have a trailer teaser that reveals a little bit about what to expect from the movie. On top of that, we have a brand new image and a poster for the film as well. So we are likely going to get a full trailer in the very, very near future. But this is kind of our first uh, our first sense of what's to come in this movie. And just to add a little bit from Total Film, John Krasinski had told them this about the story. I love the idea of the first one that Emily and I as characters were all about surviving versus the thriving. All my character wanted to do was survive. Survive and her character, that's not enough. We have to thrive. We have to let these kids be whole human beings. And after I'm gone, I'm loving seeing Emily really battle with that. That maybe survival was the way to go, and maybe this idea of thriving was too dangerous. So let's package all this stuff mm. together. What do you guys make of the Quiet Place 2 story thus far? Is this what you expected to get? 
Yeah, totally. I mean, we were contained in the first film where we saw the story, as you said, you know, from Krasinski's family and we stayed on that farmhouse. So a sequel had to expand. A sequel had to do something different because we never got into where these aliens or whatever, whatever they are even came from. We don't know the larger story about what's happening. So what I love about this is teaser itself is number one. It's actually a teaser. It's not actually one of those like, <laughs> here's a teaser trailer that's two and a half minutes and still gives you the whole story. This is a 30-second teaser, and it's so simple in the sense that we just get the survivors walking along a path, and then they go to step off that path into the unknown. And that's what this film is going to be at, uh, about, like exploring this world out there that was built in a quiet place that we haven't seen yet. So like, I'm excited about it. How you feeling, Robert? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I think it was a good teaser trailer. Uh, I think it, it kind of echoes it, what we saw. Just to, just to clarify, it's not a teaser trailer. It's a trailer. Sorry, a trailer, trailer teaser. Tease. I don't know. So, all these freaking I, I, terms. I know, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, you know, well, whatever it was that we got. <laughs> I like the fact that it echoes what we saw at the beginning of the first film, right? That journey, walking together in a line, not making a lot mm-hmm. of noise. And then, we, we, of course, we remember what happens to the youngest in that uh, uh, scene. So it brings that uh, feeling back. Plus, the idea of using sand all echoes but this idea that they're moving forward this is what i think ties into john john krasinski's quotes here this idea of moving forward this idea of having to is it it's like walking dead right the zombie thing is here we have to deal with it we have to find a way to thrive and survive and move on and have some semblance of a society so clearly she, she you know and we saw at the end of the last film there are all these different cameras and sounds and, and it's occurring in all these different areas of the world so what are the connective tissues here is she going to find a community is she going to find a city that's not a quiet city that exists somehow somewhere. That's quiet great. City. Yeah, yeah, almost quiet like city. bird boxy in a way. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah like getting that. to that. And, world. and I like that the two kids are you know older now. So what's what are they experiencing? So to me, overall, it excites me a lot. And I like what John Krasinski was saying with the quotes because Donato makes a great point. You have to expand. It's a sequel. You have to expand the universe. That's how you keep people excited. I personally wanted to see a quiet place in France, a quiet place in Russia, a quiet place in Brazil, a quiet place in Australia. I wanted to see that kind of. And when I spoke to the filmmakers on the red carpets uh, for the Saturn Awards, I mentioned that. And they were like, oh, yeah, that would be fun. Maybe if we make enough money, we'll start exploring that. So I love that. But this is great to get you back into the world of this thing. Well, truly, that was one of the first things that crossed my mind Mm. when the idea of getting more Quiet Place movies had initially popped up is, you know, I thought they they told a pretty complete story for this particular family. And I kind of wanted to see them take the anthology approach. But, you know, when you read Krasinski's quotes and also you check out the official synopsis of the film or a logline of the film, it actually is an interesting step forward for this Mm. family. I thought I was sad satisfied enough with the first step of their journey but especially the way that you look at this clip because obviously that shot that we see in this teeny tiny moment from the film it's supposed to mimic something from the first movie but also all three of them it's a pretty strong character moment because it just really represents like the choice the real choice they have to make to step forward Mm. out into the unknown they had done that path with like the the sand sprinkled before and now they're stepping into something that they don't know before to move forward the only thing that makes me the slightest bit nervous and you know I do know a lot of people out there have told me that Walking Dead has improved but something Mm. that is still stuck in my mind from watching the same storyline play out over and over and over from season to season is the idea that um, I believe the line was uh, they venture out into the unknown and discover that there are more than alien monsters threatening their lives I just don't want this to wind up being a situation where it's less about the alien threat and more about you know maybe like a Negan-esque community of people threatening their lives because, you know, as someone who watched a lot of The Walking Dead, that idea has been done to death in my mind. I mean, yeah, like I checked out on The Walking Dead like season three and I kept watching until like season seven. So I hope we don't get into that territory. But I mean, number one, the idea is still fresh. I mean, we gave The Walking Dead a lot of time to kind of run itself into the ground. This idea is still new. And if we do get a Negan-esque character, uh, Killian Murphy playing that, possibly... I'm very on board with that. And also, we can't forget about there are three characters in the, the teaser itself, but in the poster, there are four. There's the, the baby box. We can't forget about that. And I think that's going to be interesting to how they can survive in this world with an, you know, an infant, essentially. Or I, I think that's what the, uh, the time period of this actually takes place is right after the film. So how are they going to survive with like a newborn baby on top of all this? I, I think that adds a challenge that I, I'm happy to see explored. And I don't know. You just called the baby box? Yeah, put the baby back baby, in the box. It is a baby box. It's a baby box. <laughs> I'm kind of enjoying it. Uh, this this poster is really 
great too. I mm. just I really enjoy when things like uh, poster art aren't necessarily just like a shot of the famous person, but this is actually you know representing the same exact thing that I just described from that clip. So mm. I don't know. I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about this, and I'm excited to see what that trailer is going to give us, and I'm excited to see if the trailer is specifically them because mm. it is only the first trailer. You don't want to spoil things, or if we're going to see some of these other cast members that they've yeah. already announced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I. Certainly, there's a lot of goodwill engendered from that first one. So we're excited to see what Krasinski can do with this. And the fact that he's coming back, I think, is 100% a positive situation for them. See what happens when you maintain the same director for a franchise. I'm just saying. And I like the fact that this is going that direction. Maybe this will end up being a trilogy as well that kind of wraps up that story and then we move on to something else. But either way, this excites me to see Krasinski coming just back. like examining this poster. I have a feeling that this is going to represent where they're going into. Like, it's, it's not going to mm. be a city. Right, what you know, a compound or something. I think it's going to be maybe maybe like a you know a slightly more populous town, if anything. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I, I'm not getting that kind of well, vibe is, from is this. Is the red light on the on the right supposed to be their farm still, or is that is that a new area? That's definitely it's, a new. Okay. It's definitely a new area. But I like that it's reminiscent. Yeah, exactly. Of, it's still calling back you know, to the, red. the the visual aspect of uh, of that in the farm. Yeah, setting. and I mean, I see this as kind of like a purge scenario too, where you know you had that first purge movie. And it's like, all right, how do we build the world out? And then, like you said, Roka, mm. like do, let's get international. Let's do these different kind of places and go uh, different places and I yeah. I know the Persian go international yet but they're exploring different avenues to, in which this world thrives in if, so I, I I could see the, a quiet place doing that eventually yeah that I mean the purge went in a very distinct well, direction yeah, exactly. like a, they went it, it's an interesting choice because they not only did they go to a different location but that that movie almost had a very different style than the, it's like yeah, home yeah. invasion mm-hmm. and then that was more action heavy but I'm curious so with Krasinski emphasizing survive or thrive if you guys were in a quiet place no, no. and you had to be super quiet which route would you go would you like hunker down and just try to survive or would you go out and about and try to have a full life like I barely leave the house as it is now, so I would say I would absolutely hunker down and just be cool living in the compound uh, or living in my house and making sure everything is safe. See, I just worked from home like two to three days in a row because my office internet was down, and I got like stir crazy on like day one and a half, so I don't know if I'd last in the same place for that long. I think I would have the same approach that I do to thinking about like a natural disaster or the zombie apocalypse. I would plop Dewey in his emergency earthquake kit bag and we would hop into my Mini Cooper and we would drive cross country so I can get to my family in New York. Matt, you're more than welcome to join me if I'll you want. I'll take the ride. No, that's fine. To, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. No, me. you don't get to come real quick. No, no. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I thought that's what you were saying. No. I'm saying, wait, in the world of the quiet place, you're going to get in the car? I would speed. Wouldn't it make noise? It would, and we'd be chased my, by monsters my the whole Cooper time. Mini Cooper's very quiet. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not quiet no, at all. It's not. It's and not it won't quiet. fit me and Perry. It's not quiet. It doesn't go very fast, yeah. but I would try because I don't know. Otherwise, what would be the point? I've ridden that thing a couple of times. My knees are on my face. Yeah, yeah I'm quite aware of that. <laughs> she said she could fit five people in there on a trip to an amusement park. Yeah. Five, would, five cats, maybe. I would go very, very fast. <laughs> That's seriously quiet place. Or, it's like I would probably perish in this scenario because that would be no. my first instinct. And then the monsters would like dash out of the woods and get me. <laughs> right. You know what? You win some, you lose some. All right. Let's go on to. Uh, right. yeah. <laughs> thanks, guys. Let's go on to these quotes from uh, Ryan Johnson. So he was on uh, the Swing and Miss uh, radio program. Uh, we know the fine folks over yes. there. Yes. Yeah. Jen Decker and Cody Decker. So Fantastic. Uh, those two people. Yeah, so they sat down, and I think he was primarily there to talk about Knives Out, but mm. he talked about a little bit of everything. So there's some good Last Jedi content in there as well. But they specifically brought up, you know, the idea of giving fans what they want in movies, and uh, he told them this. So he, he kind of said the gist of it was uh, that a filmmaker's creative process shouldn't be guided by what they think fans want, and he called it a mistake that would lead to probably the exact opposite result. And then here's the longer quote that he said even my experience as a fan if I'm coming into something even if it's something that I think I want if I see exactly what I think I want on screen it's like oh okay it might make me smile and make me feel neutral about the thing and I won't really think about it afterwards but that's not really going to satisfy me I want to be shocked I want to be surprised I want to be thrown off guard I want to have things recontextualized I want to be challenged as a fan when I sit down in the theater what I'm aiming for every time I sit down in a theater 
theater is to have the experience with Empire Strikes Back, something that's emotionally resonant and feels like it connects up and makes sense and really gets to the heart of what this thing is and in a way that I never could have seen coming. I will just ask you guys broadly, what what do you make of this stance and these quotes? I think it's on. I think it's I'm going to say this. I think it's a. A good place to feel, to come from, and to talk about fandom and to talk about how you approach movies. Certainly, Knives Out, a genre that's been done multiple times before, murder mystery genre, he found a way to make it extremely unique and his own. Did the same thing with Looper, did the same thing with Brick, did the same thing uh, with what, uh, with Last Jedi, you can argue, did the same thing with Last Jedi. Made it new, made it different. Doesn't mean you're right. Doesn't mean you get it correct. Doesn't mean it knocks it out of the park. It just means that's his approach to it. But as a fan, but I also take issue with this idea that if you give the public what they want, they'll just be like, oh, okay, that's not actually true. If you do it correctly, organically, and make it interesting giving the public what they want, they will more do more than, oh, okay. They'll be like, that's brilliant. I knew I wanted it. I didn't know you were going to do it like that. That's awesome. So I understand where he's coming from, but I also take issue with these uh, generalizations in approach to filmmaking. Well, speaking of generalization, oh, generalizations as far as what fans want. They also yeah. spoke a bit about how, like, you might you may think you know what fans want, but that might not be true for every fan, which right. I think further supports his stance that you know you may think you know exactly what fans want, but that thing is never going to appease everyone. So if telling a good story doesn't come first and foremost, you're screwed anyway. Absolutely. So I I I definitely understand where he's coming from here. And I mean, like, okay, so the minute you start making art to kind of sell a product, you lose the authenticity, you lose what makes it art in itself. And, you know, I kind of like wrote down, like, you lose the creative power as well. And you're not making art, you're making a product at that point. And as a viewer, I agree with Ryan 100% in the sense that I want to be shocked. I don't want to know what's happening. And the idea of selling me what you think I want versus me discovering that upon this journey unto myself, like you're actually robbing me of uh, like a narrative. You're robbing me of a story that I can discover on my own and realize that I like in the moment versus here's some spoon feeding. Here's, here's what I think you will like. And it just hits all the buttons. It hits all the bells and whistles that it's a star Wars movie. And I mean, am I allowed to say that? Like, you know, I just saw the rise of Skywalker and I really agree with Ryan Johnson because that's what Rise of Skywalker was. It was a product. It was just, here, we're going to wrap up all the ties in the ways that we know Star Wars fans will know and like. Here's a bunch of cameos and callbacks, but that doesn't make an identity for a film. That just is a bunch of callbacks. Yeah, the fan service has to be organic, has to work inherently within the story, or else it does ring hollow. For those of us who do analyze these films and look at these films, we can't escape the feeling that it rings hollow, that you're doing it just to, ma- just to make people feel happy about being back into this world again instead of doing it organically within the movie. I think the movie itself hits it right on a couple of those fan service, but I think it misses way more than it hits on that fan service stuff. And I, I hear Ryan Johnson's point of view. I think somewhere in between JJ and Ryan is where I sit, and that's where I, and I'm comfortable sitting here. I want inventive new stuff. But I also want it to still make sense within the world you've already created and have it organically work and make me go, yes, I knew I wanted that, but I didn't know that that was the way you were going to do it. And that's I mean, like, exciting. The idea of bringing a director in to make a movie. I think that takes more creativity. Go oh, ahead, yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, no, exactly. And yeah. playing off of that, right. the idea you bring a director in is to get their unique vision on something. Right. We can have so many Star Wars movies, but a Star Wars movie by J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson, as we've seen, are very different. And that's a good thing. The MCU, let's bring in a bunch of different filmmakers who have different perspectives and are going to give us varied movies. Right. I don't want the same thing over and over again. That's safe. That's boring after a while. And again, after we saw with The Rise of Skywalker, it does get boring Mm. because I don't want to see the same Star Wars stories hold over and over (laughs) just with different characters. I feel like fan service can also mean different things. And I also want to bring up that when they brought up the term fan service, he did shy away from it in the conversation. Mm. I think it's just the easiest way for us to explain what we're trying to get at here. But if I do have to resort to using it, when I think about fan service, like a movie serving my expectations for a particular, you know, franchise, cinematic universe, what have you, or genre for that matter, I think about more so the pillars than the specific stories. It's mm. like, I, you guys know, I come up with theories all day long. I'm not expecting those theories to come true, and I'm not pissed if those theories do not come true, but I'm, I get upset when I feel the foundation of what I love crumbling. Exactly. And I think the perfect example of that for me was something like 
Independence Day resurgence. It wasn't about not giving me the exact story I wanted. It was about ruining things that had been set up in the first one. You know what I mean? For you, like, it did. like missing. Yeah. I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it I was just, that film. You could feel the <laughs> core of that original <laughs> idea it. crumbling. But no, I know I this, is a, this yeah. is a really big question here. Mm. But I'm wondering, can you guys each give me an example of a movie this year that? gave you what you wanted and disappointed you and one that did the exact opposite that gave you what oh, you wanted and made it work i would say rise of skywalker gave me what i wanted but disappointed me but gave me what i wanted worked is avengers endgame i knew i wanted that and i walked away from that theater going damn it's exactly what i wanted and the fan service is him getting that hammer like you didn't know you wanted that but you saw it when it happened. You were like, that's fan service for that fan moment to get that reaction in theaters. But they also laid the groundwork in Ultron. So when it happened, you were like, oh, this makes sense. So that's fan service done correctly. That was laid uh, ahead of time, laid, with the groundwork laid ahead of time. What you got, Matt? I mean, my positive, it, you just stole mine. It's on <laughs> too, because I, I didn't expect to like that as much as I did. And I didn't expect, as you said, the groundwork was laid for so long. And yeah. then it all comes together in this there's been so many movies, not just one or two. There's so many movies coming together in Endgame. So to me, that was my positive. My negative, and I'm going to take fan servicing in a different way here, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go with Black Christmas was... Mm. And you just ki- stole mine. Oh, I did. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to exactly say Black was Christmas about. was the kind of fan servicing I like in a remake because it didn't care about fan servicing. And it gave you a remake that was its own idea and its own just contextualization of an old ide- of an old film. Did it disappoint me? Tremendously. Mm -hmm. And that's not because of the message. It's because of the movie itself. Let's be straight about that. But that was, again, the way to do it, but then still not deliver on yeah. the film itself. It's like going into that, all I was thinking is, yeah, like, give me a group of, like, kick-ass ladies beating the slasher. You know, I, I want that. That was exa- that movie feels like it was it was made for my sensibilities, my genre-loving sensibilities. And I was so grossly disappointed because, you know, even though it ticked certain boxes that I wanted it to do, it wound up kind of crumbling under the weight of, of you know, the the message and the themes and the ideas it was trying to put just being extremely heavy-handed in my opinion mm. and i think the whole thing suffered because of it so it's like in a sense they gave me what i wanted but didn't work but that, and that's the whole point of it all i think what everyone all of us are saying it's nuance if you do fan service with nuance then we're down if you do fan service just to do surface fan service, then it rings hollow. Or okay. just like grabbing your head and smashing your face into it. That like, too. Here's yeah. another character you love. This is great. Yeah. Like, no, I, so I don't This is a that. point I'm yeah, trying exactly. to make. My positive, though, yeah. is actually the movie Crawl. So I go into a monster mm. movie like Crawl, and I know exactly what I want. You give me like B-movie craziness, alligator, all this stuff, and that is exactly what they did. So they gave me exactly yeah. what I would have wanted. Why that movie, I think, is so next level level for me is because I didn't expect it to I like exhibit such craftsmanship and be just so like the production value of that movie is through the roof. Those performances are great. So it's yeah. like that was an example of them yes, like fan servicing me as someone who really loves mon- horror monster movies, horror survival monster movies. You gave me just that but then some. Yeah. So just a quick question. I mean, when we're talking about fan servicing, see, in, in my mind, the definition has always been in order to service a fan, they have to be a fan already of something. So mm. if you're fan servicing, it's either based on an original uh, or a, a uh, property that's been remade or it's a sequel. Well, so, I'm, a, I'm already I, I, a fan of monster survival no, 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 And that's exactly yeah. why I was asking you like, the question of like, so is fan servicing, can that be on any film? That Pers- doesn't have personally, okay. and and you know, I mean, this is just my again, yeah, yeah. it's my personal opinion. Yeah. There's no you know rock solid concrete definition of fan service out there, but you know, for example, the two of us, we're gigantic horror fans. Yeah. I think we are in a position to be more open than some others who aren't horror fans to every single one out there, and we go into those movies with expectations that people who don't frequent the genre might not have. So it's just a different form of fan service there. Yeah, no, I I just wanted the perspective yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of where I stand on. I think that's why you guys are like uh, levels more disappointed with Black Christmas than I am. Yeah, I, I could, sense could be. Yeah, because could I'm not be. as you know. I, I love the. I, I enjoy the genre when it's good, and I like, of course, the great movies from that genre, the good movies from the genre. But I don't run to horror movies all the time. So the fact that you guys understand the nuances of with, mm-hmm. within that genre and what you're looking for when you go in and what you want to see when it doesn't hit it, it's an even deeper disappointment. I respect. Yeah, I understand that. For me, I will say action movies are like that. Like Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. 
Great fan service. A lot of people didn't like it. I didn't give it. It made so much money because all we wanted was to turn our brains off, see a bunch of action, see the charm of Statham and The Rock together, and that and Vanessa Kirby, of course, being part of an Double. We got that. So that was fan service that worked for me when it could have been really terrible. Like I feel the last three or four Fast and Furious movies, who every I know they they made a lot of money, a lot of people liked them. I have found myself disappointed walking out of each one. Hobbs and Shaw, not at all. Speaks to uh, just the value of checking out many critics' mm. work. Written, yeah. video, you name it. Everybody comes from a different background. Everyone has different tastes. Everyone has different things that they enjoy seeing on screen. So, you know, find, find maybe find a critic you really like out there, but also check out other work, too. And, yeah. you know, all You all mean there can be different opinions on the internet? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah. And, and you could be civil about uh, reading and watching Impossible. Them. That's yeah. not, that's not where this happens. Don't express your own opinion if it's different. Isn't that crazy? Exactly. And if you're a critic, <laughs> don't go after other critics for being negative about something you love. That's also important, too. I'm seeing too many Star Wars takes where people are critics are saying, don't listen to other people's negativity about this movie. I'm like, no. It's no. Literally the whole point of criticism. Yes. Like, literally, that's the basis of criticism, yeah. to have differing opinions Don't and different erode takes. Criticism. Is this a good opportunity to plug our uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker non-spoiler <laughs> review? Because that's up on the channel. Again, you know, I get it. You know, so, some folks are disappointed. Some wanted it to be great. Some, you know, just assume it's absolute garbage and aren't happy that our review is a little mixed. But, you know, check out the review. Check out the movie for yourself. When you see the movie, do share your opinion with us. Because, again, every opinion if you back it up is is valuable and all we got to do is be civil about it and we can all celebrate movies together so let's go that path check that out on the main channel and also we've got a brand new episode of comic book shopping that you're not going to want to miss especially if you're a big fan of Watchmen. and i know there are a lot of fans out there with yaya abdul mateen the second i believe we have a promo of that one Welcome to Comic Book Shopping. We are here at Golden Apple Comics in the heart of Hollywood. I am here with Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. There we go. That's right, Black Manta and, spoilers for later, a character in Watchmen. They don't know what's coming, and then boom. And I'm learning right now, by the way. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. this is a lesson. It sounds like The Matrix. Yeah, I mean, it does. It does, doesn't it? Now, I haven't seen the last episode yet, Uh so this whole thing has been like me dancing around knowing what happens, but will he spoil it in the episode? Probably not. But first, let's get some comics, man. Let's Let's get some shopping. Let's do it. That is not the only content we have for you. Uh, there is also, oh, it's Rumor Mill, but it's actually the season finale of Rumor Mill <laughs> coming your way later today. So uh, check that out. Enjoy that show. Also, there's going to be a brand new episode of Collider FYC coming your way soon. And Mandalorian Chapter 7 spoiler review all for you guys today. All right, let's move into our last story. Again, we are going back to Rise of Skywalker, but we're specifically going to be talking about box office right now because this is one of the the biggest releases of the year, and we're all dying to know how this thing is going to do, Mm. not just opening weekend at the domestic box office, but at the global box office, and then as far as the extent of its theatrical run goes. So what we have right now is, according to Deadline, Rise of Skywalker is expected to have a $450 million global opening weekend. Deadline is hearing that advanced ticket sales are on par with Last Jedi four days before the opening, and they also indicate a $200 million opening. However, tracking has the movie coming in at about $175 million. So let's let's start there. What do you guys think it's going to take opening weekend, and do you think it is going to top or come under Last Jedi? So I'm looking at this, you know, 200 domestic and it tracking only at 175 and it's the final Star Wars film of this saga. It means a lot to a lot of people, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna gamble here and take oh, the wow. over on the 200 domestic. I, I I think it's just this film has too much has been leading up to it, and there's too much hype behind what it is and what it represents. It wait, wait. You think it's gonna go over Last Jedi or over 200 million? Oh, over 200 million. Okay, Sorry. okay. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. under Last Jedi? Well, uh, what was Last Jedi? 220. Over. Screw it. I'm going for it. <laughs> I've never been so 
like unsure of a thought, a prediction in my life. I have no idea what's going to happen. I thought you were going to say 400 million. Yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> if it was, never mind. If, if I had loved it, absolutely. But the thing is, there's so much that it's the most Star Warsiest film Star Wars has ever made. So I don't know what that's going to translate to box office wise. I don't know if people are going to come out in protest. Like I think a lot of DC fans do. They come out and they go in droves and go see film over and over and over again to show their box office power. And I wonder if Star Wars fans will do that with this as the end of the saga or did Last Jedi burn too many people? Did the mixed reviews? I mean, it's 50% of Rotten Tomatoes right now with professional critics. So I don't know where I stand, but I'm going to, I think I feel because I'm, I'm stupid like this. I feel like I'm going to go with Donato in this and go over the Last Jedi. I think people are going to come out in droves to try to support. There's already anger on the fandom that, 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 that there's being mixed or negative reviews about the movie. So I think they're going to go multiple times to prove and a I, point. And I think, sadly, too, I loved The Last Jedi, but I right. think this following The Last Jedi and it being J.J.'s movie and there being such a big deal about, unfortunately, the toxicity around The yeah. Last Jedi and those people now, like, they are supporting this film because of it not being right. Ryan Johnson's movie. And I feel like that's going to play into it. And, yeah. and I, it shouldn't. And I hate that it is, but I think that will play into it, too. Yeah. I'm just curious. Where do you guys think I'm going to come in on it? Uh, under. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I am going under. And for, for a lot of reasons. I do think that the uh, the general consensus of the reviews is kind of influencing what I'm thinking right yeah. now. Because, you know, I'm not going to say reviews make or break a movie at the box office. But I do think it has a little bit of an effect. I do think that uh, lingering negativity from The Last Jedi is going to affect this movie. I also am taking into account the fact that, you know, we had a huge year at the box office with Disney making, you know, however many billions of dollars. But also... When we had Last Jedi, we didn't have an Avengers Endgame. And I really mm. do think that something that could come into play now is, you know, stats are, you know, most people out there only see X amount of movies a year. And we had a lot of those movies come out already and do extremely well. So I think that could play a factor right now. But not only am I coming in under Last Jedi, I'm coming in under that $200 million mark, too. And I, the the movie that came to mind as far as a comp goes is The Lion King, and I think The Lion King opened with something like 191 or 192 million, and you know the hype going into that was absolutely huge, and then the reviews started to come in, and they were mediocre. I think that's mirroring what's happening right now. So the number I settled on in my official predictions were, was uh, 190 million. That's but, where I think it's going to be. But The Lion King was a remake of something that was done before it's and, not, it's and not everyone, a one for one well yeah not a one for one but still <laughs> we know the lion king story we know enough of that and you can see families who go all right we've seen lion king we have the old cartoon on vhs we'll wait till this hits streaming versus this is a new star wars film this is a trilogy ender this is a bookend There's, it's also it's also a series that now has a reputation for burning fans this is true. And I wouldn't argue that it isn't a remake. Uh, well, so, <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. That's a different <laughs> conversation that I would be happy to yeah, have, but yeah. it would take about an hour just to get through yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm definitely going under on this. And then... Okay. You know, I, I'm waiting a little more on this until, let's say, we get, you know, audience polling start to come in and also cinema score, stuff like that. But at this point in time, because it is it isn't just about a huge opening weekend. We talk about this all the time. It's also about a movie's long legs at the box office. And with this one, I do fear that that could be another thing to hurt it, because Force Awakens kind of like chugged along for quite a while. The Last Jedi did have a 200 million, 220 million dollar opening, mm. which is nothing to like you know, knock it all. It's a huge amount, but then it dropped a lot quicker. And I think this could see, you know, n not nearly as many repeat viewings as it would need. Yeah. And I think that's going to wind up serving, I mean, probably particularly Jumanji very well. Yeah. It's like Jumanji had that huge opening. And when you have more money to lose, you can expect a bigger mm -hmm. loss. But I actually think Jumanji is going to hang on because of the lukewarm response to this. Right. And we talked about that on Movie Talk on Monday. Yeah, it was one of the things I said as well. Like this idea that Jumanji depends on what happens with uh, Last Jedi. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Rise of Skywalker. So I think they should be happy as hell right now because it seems like the formula has come back again. A, a film that's got mixed reviews on a franchise will help us go forward. And I think 1917 might get a, a, a an elevation from this as well as counter programming. I mean, so oh, yeah. who knows? Um, let's dig into the other half of this deadline report too because it's it's pretty interesting. This is actually mm -hmm. the the headline of the piece and what really caught my eye. So they were saying. Uh, 
So they're saying in the report there's bound to be really big openings and big box office halls overall next year, but you might have to wait until 2021 before you get to the point that pent-up demand features like, let's say, Thor, Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Matrix 4, and Avatar 2 hit theaters. So they're basically saying that The Last Jedi could be the last, you know, potential 450 million debut plus at the global box office until 2021, which... I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I hadn't really thought of that, mm. but they make a good point, and I think they might be right on that. Yeah, I, I would push back a little bit. I would say Eternals, I know people, it's still far out. It's unknown. Not a lot of people know Eternals. Not a lot of people know Guardians. But, you know, you throw this cast in, right? You're talking Angelina Jolie, Richard Matson, Salma Hayek, Gemma Chan. I mean, people went nuts over Kamal Johnny's abs the other day. Kid Harrington. Uh, you got a bunch of Brian Tyree Henry. You got a bunch of great actors involved in this. And the Marvel machine behind it. It's going to be insane what they're going to do with this thing and how they're going to hype it. I don't think I think Black Widow. I think they're going to be happy with with Doctor Strange money on Black Widow or what have you. But I think with this, they are going to build over the next few months for Eternals that this is going to explode because Eternals is a massive story to tell. I would love to be able to look up these numbers really quickly, but mm. again, box office mojos redesign. I cannot. I do <laughs> wonder because when you bring up an example like Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, I think Eternals can be. Uh, uh, they can be good comps for each other, right. but what did uh, Guardians of the Galaxy open with domestically? Right, wasn't right, right. It, wasn't yeah. it like a, like we're not we're not talking four fifty plus? No, 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 but that's at the beginning of the MCU machine, right? This is now well well oiled machine that understands how to promote their film. So I think Guardians did incredible for where it was when it was released. I think now if you drop this Eternals, uh, Eternals, I think will will blow up million and a half. Overall, wait, by wait, time wait, it's what? Done. By the time it's a done, mil- I mean, a million it's, and a half. But I'm oh, sorry, a billion yeah, and a half. Yeah, by the time it's done with its run, I think a billion and a half. I think it's going that's to a lot. I don't know. And the Turtles is a great, great story. If they I, get it right, for, people go for crazy all for we it. know, you could be right because yeah. again, I really do put a lot of stock in the idea of if you do give us an A plus superhero yeah. movie, even if it is characters that we're unaware of, it could really pop. But you know, given I, I need to figure out a way to look up box office information more quickly <laughs> now, but I got to look up how far uh, Guardians of the Galaxy actually went, but that that's mm. kind of the movie that I have in mind right now, and I know it was earlier in the MCU, but I don't know, Eternals doesn't seem to me like it's going to be one to to refute this claim in this report. I totally get it. Right if now, any, it doesn't look like it. I totally I'm surprised get it. you didn't go immediately for Fast and Furious. I mean, Fast and Furious possibly, but I don't know. Because that's the one. I need to know <laughs> if Rock's going to be in it or not. And there's a lot of rumors whether he is or isn't going to be in it. Really? So, if he's in it, as a part of the film, a small part of the film, then I think this thing's going to explode. And you don't think, you know, with Eternals that there could be MCU fatigue at all? And the fact that, oh, okay. No. How yeah. dare you speak such fast? Oh. 2021 is, uh, I'm sorry, 2020 at the end of the year and next year is still like a long ways away. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you, you never know what could happen with these gigantic franchises. If Black Widow is great, then there is no fatigue. People yeah. are going to be excited for the next thing. Well, that, I mean, um, that's the other depends. thing. It was like, for example, this report brought up the great success of Captain Marvel. She was a brand new yeah. character brought into the mix. But the thing was, her movie was teeing up yes. what wound up being the highest earner of all time in yeah. Avengers Endgame. So it does kind of go hand in hand. Right, and that's what I think. I think Feige might be, what will start dropping hints of the connectivity of the Eternals to the rest of the building MCU. Building it out. Yeah, building out, as he always does, smartly so. And we don't know what cameos may be in this movie at this mm-hmm. point yet. So, For the record, Guardians of the Galaxy topped out at $772 million okay. worldwide. And then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was $863 million. So... A billion and a half. That's a that's a pretty significant mm-hmm. leap there. But I think there's no Joe Lee in that list of uh, cast at the time when it came out. Did you Remember see the this? box office on Maleficent? Mr. Well, fair, fair. <laughs> but Joe Lee and an MCU movie. I think that's a good combo. Plus all the other people involved in it. Uh, I think it. Just, I just feel like. It will, if they get it right, I think it's yeah. going to do I'm that. rooting for deserving movies to succeed. So if it's a good movie, I hope you're right. Uh, where do you stand on all this, I'm just Matt? looking at the rest. You know, like Bond, Black Widow, Mulan, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. That's I, another one. I you just don't, think, so, don't huh? think they have the. I, well, I don't think they have the ability to do that. 
okay. don't think they have the ability to pull those kind of numbers. Here's a good stat Fast briefly for uh, the one I would say, but go for ahead. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984, though, just so we can kind of put this into perspective here. So they wrote in their piece, if Wonder Woman 84 is going to do any business over four four hundred million, um, it would need to beat the comic book label, as in you know DC Warner Brothers, their biggest global opener ever, which is Batman v Superman <laughs> with four hundred and twenty two point yeah. five million. So just to just to give you a sense of of the comparison that would have to happen. No, yeah, and I think the DCU does have good faith now, kind of going into it. So I, it's a different world than the Batman vs Superman and that kind of stuff. I still think Fast and Furious is the only film that has the ability to beat or, or you know even come close to uh, the Rise of Skywalker. But again, you know, like we're just talking about billions and millions of dollars. It's, like, it's almost like, OK, so we're not going to have a super big opening for or what is determined to be a super big blockbuster opening. Does it really matter? Fate of the Furious, its uh, opening week in global total was five hundred and forty one point nine million. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's the rocks are only shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm cu- I'm curious to see how all this pans out. It's just a it's an interesting way to kind of like step back and look at the release schedule in mm. 2020, which you know it it felt huge to me, and it still is huge. But to think of not having you know an Avengers Endgame or a or a Rise of Skywalker next year is yeah. also kind of crazy. Used to that in a way, like yeah. you know, was that always the norm? <laughs> <laughs> Marvel kind of changed the game with that. And yeah. now we're like, we're worried about films. Oh, we're not going to surpass a billion dollars. Like, wait, what? We didn't for a long time. Like, hold yeah. on. 80, 80, I mean, I think Wonder Woman 84 will have a shot. I, I think if it if the reviews are great, mm-hmm. if people feel incredibly happy in those early screenings, this is their premier character now. It is not Superman. It is not Batman. It is her in this current iteration of the DCU. And if it is a fantastically satisfying film with great fan service, organic great fan yeah. service, and inventive new approaches to this story, then I think people will come in droves because they love her version of Wonder Woman so How much. How dare you slight Aquaman? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, 821 million worldwide for the entirety of Wonder Woman's run. Yeah. It opened up domestically with 103 million, of course. But, you know, it's like, again, I think there's a, a big leap between a blockbuster opening mm. and the 450 plus ones that we're talking about right now because in its entire domestic run, Wonder Woman was at 412, yeah. you know? And even if you just isolate the international box office, it's 409. Um, Deadline kept stressing the uh, the importance of the, the China release yeah, right. too, yeah. which, uh, you know, that was a big deal for the Fast and Furious franchise. And I think with a lot of the movies coming out in the near future, none of that is set in stone just yet. Mm-hmm. So that is a major part of the market that could propel some of these movies over the numbers that we're expecting right now. Yeah. We will wait and see, and we're going to cover it all. So I know the live chat isn't up and running today, but we have been scanning Twitter for some questions here. And uh, here's, a, here's a thought first from MK Sombird. Fan service done correctly. El Camino. I didn't see Agree? It. I didn't see it because I haven't seen the Breaking Bad oh. series yet. I've only seen season one. So. Why did I not know that about <laughs> yeah, you? Oh, I will so catch funny. up. I will catch up. Because it's, it's see, I, I do think I know your taste fairly yeah. well. It seems like something you'd really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've seen even less of Breaking Bad than you have, <laughs> oh, so I have God. not seen El Camino either. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I'm a film critic. I don't have time for TV. I don't know. I'm I know not... El Camino wasn't TV, but I didn't see all of the entirety of the show, yeah. so I was like, I, I dug El Camino. I thought as far as continuing Breaking Bad, it worked It worked well for me. Uh, let's move up the Deadwood. list here. Deadwood movie was good oh, yeah, fan yeah. service. That you was good fan service. Sorty Joe is asking, would you rather the next Star Wars films explore the past or the future of the galaxy future i I don't want to be reminded of anything that's happened so far i want a new freaking space cowboy series and just make it new don't jj abrams the heck out of this and i'm sorry he's a great producer but not the best filmmaker well there it is Uh, i'm torn yeah i'm torn i mean i think you could still do that going in the past too it's like you don't need such like heavy handed things that, you know, make you feel like you're handcuffed to what exists before. It actually kind of goes back to what I was saying before about sustaining the pillars. It's like we could still explore, you know, I don't know, even maybe like Sith or Jedi mm. or, or some sort of uh, like species that we've seen before where it'll feel connected, but it wouldn't feel shackled. Right. Well, look, I mean, Mandalorian is essentially exploring yeah. a somewhere in between, right? Uh, between Jedi and uh, Force Awakens kind of area. So that certainly can be done in a way that's interesting for a lot of people. So um, past or present, 
I actually don't give a crap. I just want it to be good. Yeah. So just be good. That's I just be it's unifyingly good. That's all I really want to see. You can go centuries back, Knights of the Old Republic, or centuries forward, and do Ryan Johnson's new trilogy. I don't know, but either way, just be good. You know what I think I want more than anything? Like not not so much. I'll set it in the past or set it in the future based on the events that we're experiencing right now. Mm. But uh, make it contained. Like very contained. Sure. Like I want to see, I want to see a really character-driven story about one one main character set in one location. I don't need to go. You know, we we've done a lot of you know, I don't know, like space battles and going from planet mm. to planet. Like really flesh out one place and one person. And I wouldn't mind seeing that. Like you know, I, when I say this, I don't mean go go dark and violent, but take the Joker approach where you spend a little less money on your movie and just I don't know, take some character risks, mm-hmm. do something different that way. Yeah, I mean, the spinoffs try to do that. I think the spinoffs try to encapsulate that exact thing. Maybe not on the smaller budget. They still go big budget with yeah. Rogue One and things of that nature. But I 100% agree with you there because when you contain it, then you're not as tempted to bring in, here's this old character you've seen, here's this character you've seen. I mean, you know, we, we all know based on the trailer of Rise of Skywalker, like Lando's in it, and it's almost like, all right, why was Lando even in it? And things of that nature. So the and temptation the is yeah. removed, and the temptation isn't there where – you know, on a bigger film where you're trying to pull in the most amount of audiences, it's there. Yeah, I like that. Rogue One. Rogue One, self-contained story. Mm-hmm. Yes, do we have things way at the end that refer to stuff from the New Hope? Yes, but it's a self-contained story, and it's beautiful. It's still my favorite film of all the new Star Wars films. Still, because yes. it is that, Barry, a contained it's, story. Yeah, it's that and Force Awakens for yeah, me. Those yeah, two Force are Awakens, the, yes. the ones that are up there. Um, let's go back to MK Songbird for one last question, because you guys know I like talking about FYC stuff. <laughs> uh, the shortlist nominations for the Oscars were released earlier this week. Wondering if there were any surprises on that list for you. Just happy to see Glasgow on there. That's, of course, from Wild Rose. Uh, the story behind that song is crazy in itself. I'm going to look up those briefly, but did, did you guys see any of the, the shortlist information? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, I saw the documentary shortlist yeah. information. I was very happy about that. Look, I know, I know, I self-promote, but I'm very happy to have interviewed three of the directors of those documentaries on the deep cut here at Collider. So nice. to me, that's a very, like, I feel like a personal interest in that, which I have never done before. So I'm an, excited for that. An odd one for me is uh, the farewell for Best mm. Originals mm. Uh, soundtrack, basically. Like, oh. it, like, it literally got, like, a musical nod, and I was kind of like, I like that a lot because I just watched the farewell and that you know, the soundtrack that they put to that makes it so much more emotional. And I was very impressed to see it there. Um, just so you guys know, if we're looking at the best original song shortlist right now, we've got, I, there's a lot here. Sorry. Speechless from Aladdin. Feel mm. free to jump in whenever something catches your ear. <laughs> Letter to my Godfather from the black Godfather. I'm standing with you from breakthrough the Bronx from the Bronx into the unknown from Frozen 2. That, to me, still seems like the front mm. runner here. Uh, Stand Up from Harriet. That has a real shot. Catchy Song from the Lego Movie 2. Never Too Late from the Lion King. Spirit from the Lion King. Daily Battles from Motherless Brooklyn. A Glass of uh, Soju, I believe it's pronounced, from Parasite. Uh, I'm Gonna Love Me Again. I'm rooting for that one from Rocket Man. High Above the Water from uh, Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am. I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4 and Glasgow from uh, Wild Rose. Yeah, I'm obviously... I would love if Glasgow won. I just I'm, watched Wild I'm Rose the other day. and rooting I might, for like, it big up. time. Hmm. Wild Rose is good. Movie might be in my top ten. It, it is maybe. in my top ten. <laughs> like, I just admit it's, it's great. crazy. It's on I mean, Hulu now. It's one of the... It's oh, one of the is it? Oh, nice. So highly, last night. highly recommend it. I mm. feel like... Uh, that's one of those movies where it doesn't matter what your dream is. Mm. If you've ever been in a situation where you've been told no and you need to fight for something and or if you're in a position where you really want to go for your dream but you have other obligations in your life, it, it's very a very inspiring approach to that story. I'm a sucker for those kind of movies set to a musician's life. For some reason, just hearing their emotion through song is so much more impactful for me. So I was a sucker for Wild Rose and it, it pulled me in just immediately. And Jessie Buckley is so She's so, so good. good. If I were in control of the best actress category, she'd be getting a nomination. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people thought so after that movie initially when the reviews came out. So you just watched, did both of you just watch yeah. it? Like yeah. Are there any out. other movies that you just watched in order to finish out your end of the year list that really surprised you? Come talk to me on the 31st. Uh, that, that, I'm staying here in LA and I have a stack 
of screeners I got to catch up on. One of them is Uncut Gems. You do you know you're going to have a top five I do have a top five, video yes. before that date. I've watched enough <laughs> to tell you what my top five is. But like the Uncut Gems, I'm still waiting on watching and I'm looking forward to that. And The Farewell as well. So I, I was going to say, yeah, well. I just caught up on The Farewell. I mean, Dolomite is my name. Mm. That's great. Shot up there so quick. I loved it. Um, just looking at other things, Uncut Gems is my catch up. So if only I could put Deadly Games on my top five. I'm just kidding. From a different <laughs> year, great. I wish. It's great. I, it's so good. <laughs> you should watch Deadly Games. I think well, everyone should watch Deadly Games. I'm going to let you plug it yet again because I really do think that that uh, is a movie that will spread Christmas joy. Super quick. It's on Shutter. It just premiered about, I think, on the December 2nd. It is a movie from the 80s. It's French that has been basically buried, never distributed here. Oh. Shutter got the rights. It is Home Alone meets. Psycho Santa. It is the only way to do wow. it. Wow. So you have a home loan set up where a small child has to defend his house against a Santa who has broken in who just wants to play hide and seek. But the hide and seek is not that safe. Oh. So it's a dangerous scenario. There's lots of kids in peril stuff. But it's, but it's also, yeah, it's French and okay. it's tremendously heartwarming. Okay. Like it's a feel good ish Christmas horror story, if I can say that. That kid is very likable. Okay. Oh, the he's, main character is so good. Tour. He does this whole like Rambo sequence where there's a French version of Eye of the Tiger playing with Christmas lyrics and it's, I, I, I really okay. do think that you would enjoy I'll it if you it give it a list. go. All right. So you guys are going to have top five videos from some of us here at Collider to look out for in the coming weeks. But, you know, if you want to uh, slide in a crazy uh, a crazy holiday horror movie like Deadly Games in the mix <laughs> with all these FYC movies, that's that's a good way to go. Or Enemy Apocalypse. <laughs> or that, too. That's another good one. Another good way to uh, to celebrate the holidays with, uh, you know, blood, violence, and, and in that case, zombies and music. Or you, could, go, or you could watch Klaus on Netflix or, or yes. on Disney Plus. You could. You could go standard. But what's the fun of that? <laughs> or you I could think watch, Klaus is great. Or you could watch Gremlins. Go, go yep, with the classic. There. there you it's go. It's up to you. All right. You go. <laughs> we got to say goodbye. Matt Roca, thank you so much for thank your time you, today. Adam in the booth. And Dorian, thanks for helping us out with those Twitter questions to everybody out there. Yeah, I got to say it again. Just a reminder to be kind, be civil. Everyone has an opinion. We don't have to attack each other. We could celebrate movies together. And... Life is happier that way. So go do that. Like and share this episode of Movie Talk. Make your way on over to Collider Live. Enjoy that show. And we will see you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. PT, for a brand new Movie Talk. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa Online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.